In the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, a Bronx filmmaker is working to shine a spotlight on her native Puerto Rico. Known for her stop-motion work, Alba Garcia has turned to live puppetry to focus in on Puerto Rico's indigenous past. Her upcoming film seeks to revive Taino culture and create awareness of the devastating impact Hurricane Maria has had on Puerto Rico. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. Alba Garcia is our guest on this week's show. Alba, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for inviting me in. I want to talk all about your work, but I want to jump in by talking about your latest project about Taino culture. Tell us about that. Well, um, my roots, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, so uh, my gr- I didn't know until I did my research that my both my grandmothers and their mothers were Taino uh, Indians, in, well, indigenous from Puerto Rico, so from the area of Corozal, which is a mountainous area. So later on, you know, you know, I the whole story goes. I come to New York to to fill up, you know, do my dreams and everything. How old were you when you came to New York? I was twenty one. Okay. And I went to SBA, and I made my life here. I work here at Celebrity Deathmatch, and fast forward into 2018, 2017, actually last year, I met and made friends, uh, a beautiful friendship with Heather Henson, Jim Henson's daughter, like the Muppets, Jim Henson. <laughs> so she is into activism uh, with Native American cultures. And she, I was, I'm still working on Dangerously Ever After, which is my stop motion film. and Which we'll talk about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What happened was that she... She was telling me, Alba, why do, do you are you interested in making a Taino film? Because nothing has been done creatively in the sense of filmmaking about the Taino culture. I'm like, I don't think I have the time for that because I'm working on a on a stop motion that takes. I'm still in the middle of that production, and I she continued asking, Are you doing a film about Puerto Rico? And I said, well, let me think about it. So it's been a couple of months, and I was thinking with that, we went to Puerto Rico, we escaped Irma, Hurricane Irma. Slow, you know, our our airplane was leaving Puerto Rico when two or three hours later, hit, Irma hit Puerto wow. Rico. Mm-hmm. And I was, okay, you know, that didn't do a lot of damage, Irma, but debilitated some areas. And then um, I think it was a week and a half after, it was Maria. Mm-hmm. Which caused widespread devastation in Puerto Rico. Yes, it, it is. Which still, is still being felt today. Mm-hmm. At that moment, when I saw how the Puerto Rican people were uh, being treated by their current administration and my family suffering, I didn't know about my parents until two days later. I thought something happened to them. And it was very troubling. I couldn't sleep I because I told my brother... Please move my mom from the place that you are right now. Go to another, uh, my fa- my mother, another relative house because it's safer. And they didn't listen to me. And that was my last conversation with them. And I was very frustrated. And two days after, I didn't, I didn't hear anything about them. So at that moment, when I saw the, the abandonment of our uh, Puerto Rican brothers or sisters, I, I said, this is the time to make that film. And I called I call Heather. I said, you know what? I'm going to take you on that offer, and I'm going to make it. So I decided to, I went to writing the script, 
And I thought, oh, maybe she doesn't like it. Or No, she said, Alba, Alba this is, we're going to do an, an initial pre-production budget mm -hmm. for you to start on, the, on making this. So I have uh, 12 months to complete it. And the, a lot of great things happened that, you know, all these, some of the crew members from Dangerously Ever After uh, carry on on the next project. And it was such a beautiful experience. And it still is a beautiful experience. But pre-production and production just took place. And post-production is the one that we need uh, more funding because, mm -hmm. you know, the mini grant was for the pre-production. How much money do you need to raise to complete this project? So it's 35000 because we need to do cleanup, colorist. We need to color the, you know, film making after you do the editing, which is not done yet. Editing, the colorist comes in and, and adjusts the contrast and the balance and everything. Then we need sound effects for it. We need music. We don't have music. We need, we, we're missing some voices that we need to record. Then sound recording studio, all these things adds up. And also film festival fees. Um, we want to be able to participate in the short film in the short category of the, of the Oscars, the Academy Awards. The speaking is in Spanish and everything, but it's human rights, it's activism, human rights, the, the whole theme about it. And there's certain protocols that we have to follow. We have to win certain uh, festivals that will qualify us to go to the Academy Awards. So we have all this year to do that. And those festivals can range from free admission to a 500 admission. And if we want to get it, we, I don't have $500 from my own pocket to put it for a, for a fee. If that's only to participate, there's no guarantee after that fee that you're going to participate on the finals, mm -hmm. on the competition. So it, it is something that we need a lot of help and we need to... Uh, create awareness internationally. So you have an Indiegogo mm -hmm. to raise money to get all of this done. Yes. Let's reel back here for a moment and talk about the storyline mm -hmm. in this film, Telling Taino Culture. Yes. So um, it's a grandmother uh, in her house, half destroyed by the hurricane with a blue tarp on top of it. And the granddaughter comes in with food and, you know, she, she has fears about their survival. Granddaughter Marabeli, she's a little bit scared of what's going to happen to them. And grandma is com comforting her, telling her our Taino culture survived many, many devastations. We, with the use of technology, can actually survive this and make it better. But we need to know what is our identity. We need to discover uh, who we are in order to move forward. And we need to have self-dignity, and that's the whole um, model of the, the story. At the end, it leaves open for the whole—this is a film for Puerto Ricans, because we are the ones who were devastated by this. So this film is in Spanish? It's in Spanish, with dove in English or subtitles in English. And, um, well, it— and then we use the art of puppetry because that's what Heather Hanson is promoting with Ibex, her company's Ivet's Puppetry. So there, she has a series called Handmade Puppet Dreams, and it have to be live-action puppetry, not stop-motion, which that's what I use the background I come in. 
How different is live puppetry from stop-motion filmmaking? To start, we have, for stop-motion, we have very small puppets. And for live puppetry, the puppets are almost from the floor up like a real person. And I was thinking, let's do some puppetry, like, you know, the Muppets. And then I started designing the characters and my husband comes in. He's like, I have an idea to make this. And then he he, he goes back to the basement, come back home, uh, up to the kitchen. We should say that your studio is in your basement, <laughs> yes, yes. in the basement of your home here in the Bronx. Yes. And your husband is also an artist. He focuses on concept art, animatronic making. He is an inventor. So he said, why don't we do animatronics? And I'm like, that is a great idea. I mean, in my brain, we can do anything because I know, I trust my husband, that he can he can do an amazing thing. So I had a, a dinner with Heather, and I explained, oh, this is the, the, this, the concept, this is what we're going to do. And when I explained to her that we're going to do animatronics, she said, oh, your budget is going to go on that. The the micro project that we are giving you for pre-production is going to go on just making animatronic puppets. This is very expensive. You cannot do this. You, only paying the puppet builder, all the grant is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I have to pay attention. I mean, she's Heather Hansen. <laughs> you know, she knows what she's talking about. And then I, I went to my husband. I, I expressed that. And he said, no, because I'm making it. I don't care. I mean, don't pay me. I'm going to make it. Hmm. So he started creating the animatronics and everything, and that took him about four months, just the bre- breaking it down, designing on the computer, making it work, putting it together, and he didn't sleep for six months. He didn't sleep at all. The moment came that we said, okay, if we're going to do an Indiegogo, we need to interview Heather. And at the moment of the interview... Uh, we brought the puppet, and she couldn't believe her eyes. Now, is this the puppet of the grandmother? The grandmother. The grandmother. Yes. Mm-hmm. She couldn't believe that Julio created what we were th- wanting to make. But because we did it, we didn't have to bring take it from the budget, mm-hmm. from the initial budget that was for pre-production. So, yeah, Julio built two puppets that will be about $5,000 each if we were going to have to pay somebody to do it. And and Julio put hundreds of hours on that, months. So we are being known by doing miraculously beautiful films with ridiculous budgets. <laughs> really, that's, that's, that's our reputation at this moment. So while you're doing all of this, you're still also working on your stop-motion yes. film? yeah. Dangerously Ever After? Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, because Dacto Cataino, which is, in, that's the indigenous native language of the Taino, it means I am Taino, yo soy Taino, because that is a puppet, live puppet, we shot it in four days. In June, that, the whole film was shot in four days. Now, because it's, we have some stop motion that are imagery, well, I don't know if I pronounced it right. But when um, when grandma is talking to the do- uh, granddaughter, some parts will be stop motion just to show to uh, visual uh, elements so people can understand certain parts uh, of the of what she's talking, like uh, 1917, what happened. Um, 
So it's more for dates and things like that. So I already finished that yesterday, the last one. So all that is going to the editor. And then uh, it's going to be, well, we are hoping and to have it done by the anniversary of uh, uh, the Hurricane Maria, which is September 17, but the 24th will be the showing. So that's what we're working now. We're working on full on that. Now, stop motion. Uh, the difference is that stop motion, we have to animate four seconds, five to ten seconds a weekend. And how long can it take then to do one film in stop motion? In stop motion, it could take three or four years. Wow. So how far in are you with I'm Dangerous Labor after? I'm 80, 90%. Okay. It's not that it, we don't have that much to go, but again, we get sick. Uh, we have to work full time. You have a daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your so, parents. Uh, yeah. She has violin lessons. We have to go there to her recitals and stuff like that. We get sick. We I get invited to other things. Uh, this film, Dr. Cataino, have to be made, especially when uh, Heather Henson kind, candidly asks to, to do a film and she trusts you and she wants you to make it. And I'm thinking that it's a huge honor I, that she's doing that. And also I'm growing because I'm also learning that making, I think one of my other feature feature films in the down the road will not be stop motion, will be more puppetry because I enjoy talking, being live, mm -hmm. talking to a whole set, a beautiful family a, a crew team. That's how, that's how I can make it. And everybody's in the same pace. We have the, the DP, the assistant director, the cam uh, cameraman. It's such a wonderful experience. Yes, it's a lot of work. It's mentally I have to have all the answers for every shot, every scene, for the, you know, talk talking to the actors, talking to the lighting people, explaining what the shot I want to do. That for me, for me, that's fascinating. And stop motion is so slow that it. It's good because you're relaxed. You don't have, but it's a longer period of time. That's why it's taking more, it's taking more time. Uh, currently, what got you involved with stop motion in the first place? Why stop motion for you? I went when I went to college. I was uh, majoring in animation, cell animation. Then um, I tried that. I tried because you have to discover different styles of art. I did uh, computer animation. And then there was stop motion. That for at that moment I learned it in in college. It was moving objects. It was you had to create your characters, and and when they explained the Nightmare Before Christmas was was stop motion. I'm Tim like, Burton's yes. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was fascinating to me. And since then I always wanted to do that because I love writing stories. I love making puppets, but making an animation encompasses all the arts sculpture painting uh, photography so i love the whole the wholeness of that and puppetry have that wholeness too and it's a different feeling it's more in the instant gratification because you get that product faster fa faster than if it's stop motion and also now i'm i'm writing a story that's for later when i finish my stop motion <laughs> when, when i finish the stop motion i'm writing a feature film that is going to be live action and special effects and creatures. So now, life puppetry opened a different world to me. So now That's I exciting, am, huh? I'm so inspired. Yeah. Yes, very, very inspired about that.
Dangerously Ever After is based on a storybook, isn't it? Mm-hmm. One that your daughter brought mm-hmm. to your attention? Yes. She, she liked this story so much. She read the book and memorized it back and forth. And I contacted um, the author, and she lives in California. And she came to my studio, and she said, oh, you know what? Yes, you can do it. <laughs> the initial contract was about, I think it was 24 months, I think, 18 months. We passed it. We had to do another contract because it's so it's taking that long. But it's looking so beautiful. And it's about what? It's about a dangerous princess that loves to take a lot of risks, and she meets this kind young man, and they it's about friendship. They made a friendship, and even though they're completely different, he's very nice and mellow and quiet. He lives in a rose garden, whereas she lives in a dangerous garden with cactuses and live animals that eat people and stuff, and she she's very uh, extrovert. So... You get the two. It's like a Pippi Longstocking style of film. And that film is all being made in the basement of your home. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is the great thing about that. Our whole basement got taken over. And we we have a couple of things to do. I don't think, I would say six months to finish the animation part. Then post-production will be hard because we have to add the faces on the puppets with the motion capture, because we're using that technology. Mm-hmm. You received a lot of attention for another stop-motion film, mm-hmm. this one called Time, Space, Reflections, which I know has a lot of personal meaning to you, mm-hmm. involving a former student who passed away. Yeah. I, uh, she was here in this campus. She was, you know, uh, both of them, and she passed away in her sleep uh, having a, a seizure. She was a film student of yours? Um, she was an, an yeah, a art student when we, they were thir- uh, 12. Mm-hmm. Then when they were in, in college, uh, one became a speech therapy teacher. That's the one that passed away. And the other one became an artist. She's a visual artist. Uh, she in- incorporates all kinds of, um, I think she does a performance. Um, I think it's uh, plastic arts. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, and then I reunited with them. One of them was an intern uh, one in, in my work because she, you know, she was an artist. They were twins. Yes, mm-hmm. they were twins. And she, when she passed away, I couldn't, uh, I, I was grieving. I, when when my, my team suffers or I suffer, so... I couldn't let go. I couldn't let her go. She was young, bright, and and she have such. She left too young, twenty three, and I wrote a story. My husband was like, "You have to write something, let it out in writing." And I wrote it, and I said, "You know, it would be nice if we do that in stop motion." And then I started doing the storyboards and script, and I invited Catherine so she can see the storyboard. She said, "You have to do that." And we did it together. She collaborated with me uh, in the sense of doing some storyboards, some ideas, some feedback. And it took 18 months to do that animation. And it won all over internationally. Mm-hmm. And this film involves a mirror that the twins could pass through to reunite, right? It's, it's kind of like a portal. And there are two different worlds. There's the future 
where uh, there's this girl living in, in a science lab, and she creates this portal using science. The other is a parallel universe in which she creates a portal with alchemy and, and drawings and stuff like that. Magical. It's a magical place, fantasy. And they both open the portal, but, but they both, they lost their twin, and they're looking for their twin. And they find each other in different uh, parallel universes, and that's their, their twins. So the whole thing is that nothing alive can pass through the portal. And one of them tried to make the sacrifice to pass through the portal. And, you know, that's the dramatic event. That's, I don't want to say it so people can, <laughs> can uh, see it in a, in a film festival in New York or something. <laughs> I don't, but, but basically, nothing alive can pass through the portal. How interested are you in science fiction? Because that's very science fiction, mm -hmm. of course. Uh, well, I, I love, as an artist, I grew up uh, reading a lot of books, um, fantasy, science fiction books, uh, Isaac Asimov, and uh, fantasy, we, we go Pierce Anthony and Dune, the, you know, le the Legends of Dune and stuff. It's just that I love that. I, I love fantasy and science fiction. That's that's my biggest thing. Um, and if you see the works of Guillermo del Toro, that's exactly what fascinates me as well. Dark fantasy. And, you know, you have Pan's Labyrinth, and then you see the shape of water. Fables is, is something very characteristic about the Latino artist. Fables and learning from our tales and mythology. That, that's something that, that resonates in me, and I think it resonates with Guillermo del Toro, too. In addition to everything else you do with films, you also are a doll maker. Yeah. And your dolls are very science fiction themselves, aren't yeah. they? Very fantasy. <laughs> yes, I like science fiction and fantasy a lot. Like, It's just I like anatomy, and I like... The science, I like to discover new animals or beetles or insects. And it, it is the way my brain works. I, I like to go uh, learning the, the science of everything. And from that, I create stories. Uh, the one that I, we are do, I'm doing now is uh, based on a Taino myth. And they have these creatures, these god entities. And... They are half human, half animals. And for me, they're so fascinating. And, and you know what? It wasn't, it haven't been done. And that's what I'm working on for my feature film to create the uh, science uh, fiction fantasy, but something that our native created. And I'm taking it a, a bit further. Yeah. That's... You've created dolls that are half women, half yes, rabbit. Exactly. Am I right? And I wonder, I wonder is that is a reminiscence from, from my Taino heritage? Because why, do, why is that in, in my brain? And I was thinking maybe when I lived in Puerto Rico, you know, my grandfamily, my grandparents, they live in this area where the river was very close to the house and the river have this... Uh, inscriptions and those inscriptions have been I think are from the Taino 
culture. And it is all over the island. It is all over the island. I've been in caves that you can actually see this, uh, half frog, half men. How, and I'm thinking, I wonder if subconsciously that's, that's where my heritage comes from, where the ideas to love, of love of those uh, myths that I didn't know was there is part of, of what formed me as an artist because it's, the influence is there. And it's not until now that I'm, I'm finding that, that I'm investigating that. I was going to ask you, how much research did you do into Taino culture for this film? Oh, first is asking my mother about the Taino, uh, how was li- living with grandma. And she was finding these questions uh, odd. And, and cu- she was curious too. And I'm like, mom, I need to know. I need to know because I know grandma was uh, Taino. And she said, well, we have this very weird chair in our uh, aunt's house and how it looked like. And it looks like this and that. It looks like... And she described what a duho was. A duho is a a special share for a cacique, a chief. If my grandmother, sister, Abuela Angela, had that duho, that means somebody in that family, or because that gets handed down, somebody in my family might be a cacique. And at that moment... I was like, Mom, why you didn't tell me this? This is so important. And then she told me, she, she started talking and releasing all this information the way they, they cut, when they cut themselves, how they, how they, what they use from the, from the land and everything. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I talked to anthropologists and I talked to archaeologists in Puerto Rico. And I still on that investigation. I'm probably going to Puerto Rico and and go to a, uh, there's a Taino community in Utuado. And I want to talk to them. I want to take pictures of their uh, place where they live because that's my research for my feature film. How did your family fare oh. in the hurricane? Oh, my gosh. My my husband's mom and his whole family in the mountains in Corozal didn't have electricity for seven months. Wow. Thank goodness they own a land and the land that they own have a little river that the water is certified pure. So that was the only great thing about it. But it was pitch black, and Julio and I have to send boxes of food for my family, his family, every two weeks. And it was, right now it's coming down, but some of my family members said if another hurricane hits the island that is like this bad, I have to leave. I have to leave, and that's that's what's happening now. Five hundred thousand people have blue tarps on their houses. They don't have the money to even put a wooden uh, ceiling. So, if a hurricane comes in now, because we are in the hurricane season at this moment, uh, five hundred thousand people. Their houses are very uh, weak. How much do you think the people of Puerto Rico know about Taino culture? You know, it's interesting because of our history for 100 years, you know, we, we were invaded. We were invaded by the United States. 
and we were given, forced given the citizenship, American citizenship in 1917. There are people, for example, when I, I was researching last week about who we are as Taino, my husband was like, oh my God, is it not until now that everybody in that town where I grew up in the mountains, most of them are Taino. And it done to me now. I'm 47 years, 40, I'm 47 years old, and now I'm getting it. We are getting who we are. That's why Dacto Kata, you know, the film that I'm making now is so important because it's going to create awareness. Our young kids will know what happened. That's my main thing, that we can educate and bring this to the whole international world. This is what happened to Puerto Rico. And we have a culture, we are indigenous, we are proud, and we want to learn more about it. So do you have a website that people yes. can check out? Well, for the Indiegogo, we have it, it's called Dactokata, you know, it's an Indiegogo, it's not still in our website because it's such a new, it's a new project. Um, in Our website is fantasiation.com. Um, I, I can, we can put a link on it, <laughs> on the On podcast. our website, yes. sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And also, people can follow me on Facebook also. Uh, Alba E. Garcia Rivas. Alba, thank you so much thank for coming so much. in. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> Alba Garcia is a filmmaker based in the Bronx. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>